0: welcome to the latest episode of the month in VC, disrupt africa's regular podcast on the african venture capital space brought to you in partnership with catapult africa halayasani capital and atlantica ventures every month we catch you up in all the latest investment and funds news introduce you to investors and discuss key trends and themes from the industry we hope you enjoy this latest installment and as ever if you have any suggestions for topics or want to get involved yourself please don't hesitate to reach out for now let's catch up on all the latest funding news from the last month November began with the news that South African mobility startup Where is My Transport had closed down after failing to secure the necessary funding to continue operating. Formed in 2016, Where is My Transport was a big data platform for sustainable mobility in emerging markets? Its products were used by cities to coordinate and monitor services, operators to integrate their systems, and passengers who accessed the platform through apps and endpoints connected to the Where Is My Transport platform? In 2021, the company raised a 14.5 million US dollar Series A extension round from investors, including the now defunct NASPES Foundry. This took total funding to more than $27 million, but eventually the startup reached what founder Devin DeVries described as journey's end after failing to secure the necessary further capital. It's just the latest major startup death of 2023, and it probably won't be the last. Other well-funded, yet now fallen, companies so far include Kenya's Sendi, Nigeria's 54 Gene, and Ghana's Dash, among others. To better news, though. Lots of that came from South Africa, where InsurTech startup Pineapple raised 400 million Rand, 21.3 million US dollars, in Series B funding to boost its growth. Fleet management startup Go Metro banks 9 million in funding to further develop its platform in key markets, and recruitment startup JobJank raised 2.5 million dollars in pre-Series A capital. Another South African InsurTech startup, Inclusivity Solutions, raised 1.5 million dollars in a Series A extension round to support its Pan-African expansion plan. To Nigeria, where commodities platform Afex banked twenty six point five million US dollars in funding from British International Investment, the UK's development finance institution. Trade Finance starts at FrontEdge, which helps facilitate cross border trades for African SMEs, raised ten million in debt and equity funding, while there was a one point three million dollar round for fresh and packaged food e commerce platform price Pally. Solar-based internet service provider Tizetti secured long-term debt financing to roll out its state-of-the-art broadband network across 15 states in the West African country. And Bugeti, an end-to-end expense management and budgeting platform, raised $2 million in seed funding to accelerate its growth and boost market share. In Egypt, a big one, as fast-growing fintech startup MNT Halan raised $130 million in securitization, one of five tranches of securitized bond issuances this year that have so far banked it over $400 million. EdTech platform Akdar and SaaS e-commerce startup Orfa secured six-figure funding rounds from Saudi investors, while online car parts marketplace Motor raised $2.8 million in pre-seed funding to help expand its product suite. In Kenya, climate tech startup Amini raised $4 million, Electric Bus Solutions startup BassyGo has secured a $5 million debt facility from British International Investment. And Ed Partners Africa, which provides loans to affordable private schools, announced the commitment of a $10 million loan guarantee facility from the United States' Development Finance Corporation to help it expand access to affordable education. Meanwhile, Kenyan fish farming startup Aquarec raised $1.7 million in equity funding. And TAPI, which helps SMEs build their online identity through a chat tool that automatically creates a webpage, raised $1.5 million. The Ivory Coast-based mobile video network Star News Mobile secured $3 million in funding from investors that include French professional footballers. Elsewhere in Francophone Africa, Cameroonian e-health startup Waspito raised $2.5 million in funding, extending its seed round to $5.2 million. And Morocco-based B2B commerce startup Chari secured investment from UM6P Ventures. There are also rounds for three Tunisian startups, MyEasy Transfer, which facilitates secured diaspora fund transfers, retail tech startup Winshot, and team collaboration tool Sinoia. Once again, though the general news is quite bleak, we can again report the advent of new funds, suggesting a more liquid future for African tech. The Kigali-based Norsecan 22 has closed its first African technology growth fund at US dollars surpassing its target of 200 dollars Pan-African VC firm Novastar Ventures secured $80 million in capital from Japan's SBI holdings. The strategic partnership takes the form of a $40 million capital of a $40 million multi-fund investment to anchor Novastar's upcoming funds. Savvy Ventures, a leading venture capital firm in Francophone Africa, has reached a $30 million first close of its second fund, which is backed by private investors and family offices, to continue investing in the region's most promising startups. Echo VC, a seed and early stage technology venture capital firm focused on investing in underrepresented founders and underserved markets. Introduced a 2.5 billion dollar pre-seed fund vehicle, which will make investments in climate and energy ventures. And finally, the Pan African Startup Bootcamp AfriTech Accelerator has created a mentor-led angel community and investment syndicate designed to connect startups to mentors, providing both operational help and capital. bad and some good news there from the wider funding space on the continent. So now let's find out what a prominent VC thinks about what's going on out there. In each episode of the Month in VC, we focus on one individual Africa-focused investor, learning about their background, their company, and their investment ethos. This month, we caught up with Eric Yong from Africa-focused investor Green Tech Capital Partners and the Zytec Investment Office, who says he's still bullish on the African tech space in spite of the current challenges.
1: The macro are there, the dynamics are there, and the the talents are are starting to increase and also you have a bigger interest for the um, African populations, uh, talented population which is outside of the continent to come back. So now there's a lot of ingredients to develop that ecosystems. Of course um, the the geopolitical environment um, changed a little bit some of the dynamic but uh, in general I think that this, this is just a period of transitions. So I'm very bullish in terms of um, Africa. And when you compare to the the other regions, I still believe that um, the growth is
0: in in Africa when you come to money allocations. Yong is originally from Cameroon, but now based in Germany. He launched his first company straight out of business school, exiting after seven years. He then worked for an international consortium, helping it build ventures in Europe and Asia. In uh,
1: 2014, I decided to stop working for others and and create again a new company and have a focus on Africa. So go back to my origin and try to see if I could share my experience in building companies with uh, my fellow founders, um, create Green Tech Capital then in 2015 with uh, Thomas Westerling. That was at that time banker from the Deutsche Bank. Um, and we develop a concept of investment around resolve for equity where we were Financing resources for early stage companies um, to help them reach a Series A, um,
0: yeah, and in in only in Africa. Green Tech started in anglophone African countries like Nigeria, Kenya, and South Africa before expanding into francophone markets like Senegal and Ivory Coast. It has so far made forty-five investments.
1: We had a investment thesis, uh that was focused on platform and essential we will have um in essential you have everything that is uh, agriculture food water energies and platform will be all the, di- the the digital development infrastructure that was um addressing the challenge of uh non functioning value chain and then you'll find some fintech platform you'll find some uh You'll, you'll have some edutech, tech uh, you know, wealth tech, stuff like this. Um, usually we were, um, because we were doing uh, financing venture building, the way we were calculating our ticket was very different from the classic um, investment. Uh, so we had, but let's say that when we look at the average, we had an average ticket that was
0: between 50 and 75K per company. The firm has partially exited six of its investments and is in the process of exiting another. Much of Greentech's value is in its venture building assistance, with the firm operating differently to traditional VCs and investing off balance sheet.
1: Being uh, an entrepreneur, uh, I was not really looking for LPs, so we create a, a certain vertical next to uh, the investment activities that were supporting development agencies, and we developed uh, all the infrastructures of. Um, support uh, of consult- consulting for development organizations where we help them develop program and implement program. We have generated capital with this and then we've used the capital to invest into new companies. So we, it was mostly um, investment on the balance sheet, which gives us more flexibility to also learn and also invest in what we were believing into.
0: Eric says an investor's favorite portfolio companies are always the ones performing best at that particular moment, something that could change at any time. But as the current cream of the crop highlights Ghana's Agrocenter, one of its first investments, and a Kenya water filtering startup that rapidly expanded and saw the firm exit at 40x return on investment. It usually exits via secondaries, having built an investor network that wanted exposure to Africa.
1: Being a venture builder, uh, our biggest value proposition was really the, the, the operational support. So... Uh, we've been very hands on with the company that we've invested in, helping them restructure their business, helping them finding international partners, uh, helping them, uh, on different stage of their, their business in order to grow. Um, and that, that's kind of the, I would say our signatures in all our investments, much, much more operational than classic, classic investors. And that's why we've been able to, identify them early. We've developed a, a quite ex- extended uh, network of support um, through the journey of the, of, the, of the
0: founders. In his experience, what major issues do African founders face when building their businesses?
1: Well, I think that the, the, one of the major issues for African founders is their environment, where they're evolving. Um, their environment influenced a lot uh the level of expertise the dynamic we've seen the last years the market was um overflowed by by money which made that founders lost a little bit track of what was very important um targeting only the next round and the next uh, story to tell to investors um and um and i think that's that, uh, because it's a, quite a, a new environment and uh, we, tr- we still, I think in Africa, we're still trying to find the, what works in our environment. We cannot take away the, what works in the U.S. because, you know, distribution is set, marketing is huge, uh, capital is unlimited, and this is not the environment we have in Africa. So I think that that's, um, we still need to identify what are the dynamics that works well. Uh, one thing. The second thing is also that in terms of um, exit, there is no clear path to exit when it comes to the, the ecosystem. So founders have to somehow fight their way with hypotheses that for the moment have been not systematically uh, true. It, it requires more time. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, the last year we've moved away from the search of reaching break even, which I think is... Quite important uh, nowadays. So I think that the, the 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 environment has very has had a very strong influence for the for the founders and not always to uh, to our benefit. But in the same time, um, the improvement of the quality of the founders, the improvement of the quality of the investor over time is now try, um, has allowed to, to bring out some leaders in terms of founders, with now becoming investor while becoming mentor. So um, yeah, I think that we have some limited, but um, I see very positive things coming forward.
0: He has limited concerns over the current global capital shortage, saying it's a normal stage that was to be expected. It is also not without its positives for the African tech space.
1: Every new environment, who's developing, you, you have, like you had the value of death for your startup, you have the value of death for an environment who's developing and trying to find this dynamic. We are now currently in the value of death of the, the African ecosystems. Um, I think it's, from my perspective, I think it's a good thing that we ha- and that and we have this dynamic of um, economic challenge because it forces uh, companies to become better. They are now in a challenging environment. They have to become better, and you and it's much more easier, I believe, now for investors to see the good companies from the weak companies because because until now we were just looking at oh this company raised two two, two million three million oh this is a great company when when we realize that actually now that result needs to be needs to be provided we see that that is a challenge so. For me, I see the current economic environment as an opportunity for the ecosystem to clean up, to improve in terms of the governance, so that's been a major challenge in the last, you know, in the last period, and also to to drive more maturity in the investment community, uh, who has to be much more conscious in terms of how can I help my investment, how do I follow my investment, uh, who's now has a sense of my invest my portfolio is going to evolve from where I started to put the money to where I eventually exit. So um, I don't see uh, the current environment as being a bad thing, but rather a necessary pain.
0: Positive noises from Eric there then on how the current crisis will breed better companies. That said, let's hope we start seeing some more investment soon. So the final part of this podcast then. Each month we touch on a certain key issue within the ecosystem. Be that a key facet of the VC business model or an emerging trend. Today we're discussing how VC firms actually go about sourcing their portfolio companies. And we're doing that with the help of IK Kanu, founding partner at Atlantica Ventures, and Brett Kamile, partner at South African VC firm Halayasani Capital. case, is the way Atlantica goes about sourcing ventures is twofold.
2: We, we develop our thesis in terms of, let's say, regions or sectors or different business models. And then we actually go out there and search, then try to figure out, you know, who's built what there, who's building something adjacent to it, who are some of the potential customers to these companies.
0: Atlantica, then, is more than open to incoming opportunities via the contact form on their website or by reaching out to them on LinkedIn. Often though, getting introduced by a trusted member of their network can be the best way.
2: It makes the filtering a little bit easier because for any new opportunity, we always have to then do our own DD and speak to people and see if there's um, recommendations from people that you know you and know us or any red flag. So that makes the DD process easier. But in terms of sourcing, you know, it, it doesn't have to come from people that we know, it just makes it easier to then go through the DD process because at least we know that it's come from someone
0: that is trusted. Brett agrees that an introduction from someone you know carries significant weight.
3: It's not with the objective of, of being either elite or, or difficult, but there's, there's something quite critical when someone you know who spent time with the company um, and backs and phones you and says, you really need to pay attention to this. It's worth listening to. It's worth uh, meeting with the founders. And I think that always, that's always going to get your attention. And those inevitably are the deals that uh, prove to be worth doing. Um, they obviously still get filtered.
0: Getting out into the ecosystem is also important. We do occasional conferences. We give talks. So we
3: make sure that we're visible um, and available in the industry. So we get a lot of people who will you know, come up to us or who will email us or who will reach out, figure out the email addresses. So we we have those things. So we do
0: try to make ourselves visible. It is necessary to find a balance between being at events, actively seeking startups to invest in and doing desk research.
2: It's hard to actually go to a lot of the different conferences just given the commitments you have with travel, with the different preferred companies and also even having a you know, personal, family, and all those different things. It's so hard to actually do all those things on the road. So we spend a good amount of time reading up online. So it disrupts uh, different um, articles and just trying to follow what's happening in the ecosystem, who's doing what, and uh, making the connections from that. So I'll say this is a big portion. I'll say it's probably close to maybe 60, 60, 70% of our time is spent doing it um, virtually, doing it digitally, and trying to get that much information out there. And the rest of the time is just um, meeting and greeting as, as much as we can. we try to balance the two.
0: Brett says desk research is important and can have real value, but sieving out the noise is a skill.
3: I think it's a natural part of your interest in your sector is that you, you look at the news, you look at the publications, you follow the, you know, the um, interesting stories, particularly of sectors that you're interested in or ones where you're already invested you know, who the new, who's the new competition? Who's doing this in other sectors? So you subscribe to a lot of those pages, but there's also just a ton of noise. Um, and so one's got to be quite careful. Otherwise, you're you know, obviously not going to do your job. You're just going to spend all your time reading the, the million or so, um, you know, uh, it inputs to that, to that coming. So I tend to, like, uh, late in the evening do my reading or maybe even sometimes once a week where I – where I do a catch up on on what's happening, but my you know my typical interest is around the sectors and the, and the competitive sectors where um, where our investments already are. I think if you're you know if you if you're interested in a specific sector, you're going to do a heck of a lot in that. And every now and then, you'll hear about some company that's doing something interesting, and we have done that before, We we've then reached out to those companies, approached them, and that's you know it's certainly a way to do it. Um, but I think that's more about, um, you know, that's more around
2: the sector focus.
0: How actively a VC engages in sourcing startups depends on the stage of the funding question.
2: So, because we are very early into our fund deployment cycle, we have um, years left in terms of our investment period. So, we spend a good amount of time actively sourcing, meeting different companies. And But we also do have a very active portfolio, and as active investors, we like spending time with them and trying to help them as much as we can any time they call or trying to actually even be points of referrals for different customers um, to be very active that way. So in terms of a split, because we're at the stage well we're right now, I'll say we're probably more skewed towards the pipeline uh, development, let's say closer to about 60% uh, in terms of building the pipeline and sourcing. And 40% of our time is spent on managing the portfolio right now. But as we start getting further along, that will then start some switching. But this then changes. Um, so I won't say it's a fixed thing across the firm. It changes from um, person to person. So with um, Aniko and I, we spent a good amount of time um, portfolio managing just because we have some of the strong relationships uh, with the founders that are out there, whereas some of the other members of the team um, will be spending a lot more time focused on um, the pipeline development and just going to different meetups and learning about different opportunities that way.
0: Atlantica, like a lot of VCs, has an investment thesis, but IK stresses the need for some flexibility in this regard.
2: If there are things that don't fit within our thesis, we will take a look at it. And as fund managers, we always have to then question and look at our thesis and then say, are certain things we hold true still true? or should we actually change our point of view? So it's kind of like that whole saying about having, having strong opi- opinions, but uh, loosely held. Um, we can actually look at certain things and say, well, that was true some time ago. Is that still true today?
0: There you go then, how VCs go about sourcing their startups from the horse's mouths thanks to IK and Brett for sharing their expertise. That brings us to the end of this episode of the month in BC, brought to you by Disrupt Africa in partnership with Catapult Africa, Halayasani Capital and Atlantic Adventures. We'll see you next time. Bye.